Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris, and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and my MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I launched Master Your Mental to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at master your mental. Now let's get into the episode guys. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of the master your mental podcast. As you guys can tell from the title conquering addictive personalities, there is a certain personality we're going to be talking all about today when it comes to ourselves and different things that we have struggled with along with tips and tricks for you guys from my awesome guest who I'm going to be introducing you all to very, very soon. But before I do that, I just wanted to come on here and give you guys a little background on why I wanted to record this episode for you along with thanking you guys again for leaving me your feedback and reviews on Apple podcast. And of course I want to share one of the reviews with you guys. And I have one here in front of me that I want to read off for you guys just to say thank you for the awesome review and just you guys taking the time in your day to give me this feedback. So the one that I'm looking at right now is it says great podcast and great person talking with Paris is like making a best friend. She is so real, relaxed, kind, and has the best energy. She makes it so easy to talk to and easy and fun to listen to. She shows a genuine interest and passion for others and what she does. Highly recommend working with and listening to Paris. Thank you. Thank you so much. Five, seven, eight, four, Carrie for leaving that review. And if you guys are done listening to this episode, and if you haven't already, I would love if you could head over to Apple podcasts and leave me a review, write me a review. Um, I love hearing from you guys and seeing what you think, but of course we're getting into this episode today and we're going to be talking all about something, something that I really want to bring to the table. Cause I haven't touched on this too much for you guys, but the topic is emotional eating and like we're going to be getting into, you guys probably are pretty well aware of this. Um, when we're going through things that are stressful, overwhelming, difficult, and challenging, we oftentimes have things that we do that really is something that we use to cope, right? Or get through what we're dealing with. And a lot of this, a lot of this can be damaging in ways that we aren't even fully aware of. So I bringing on an expert for you guys today to get into this topic. Um, this is actually something that I also 
used to deal with, um, myself in the, in the past. Um, and I've also had, you know, other people share with me in conversations about how they've had this struggle with emotional eating as well. So I really wanted to bring this episode to the table for you guys. And I can't wait for you to hear the awesome story and amazing energy of my guests that I'm going to be bringing for you guys today. So let's get into it. Ready? Awesome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode on the Master Your Mental podcast. I am very excited to bring you yet another eye-opening conversation on the topic that has transformed the life of my special guest. As you guys can see, we are speaking about conquering addictive personalities today. I am bringing on the wonderful Trisha Nelson, who is an emotional eating expert who lost over 50 pounds along with being being a best-selling author of Heal Your Hunger, podcast host of the Heal Your Hunger show, TEDx speaker, and highly regarded coach. I can't wait for you guys to hear Trisha's powerful story, journey, and helpful tips today. So without further ado, welcome Trisha to the podcast. Thanks, Paris. Great to be here. Yes. So excited to have you here because you guys, before we got connected, I, you know, was checking out, you know, Trisha's background and she does so many helpful things today on this topic and you're going to hear it from inside of her story. So before we go ahead and dive on in, I would love if you could tell us about the one thing that lights you up like nothing else in this world. Oh my gosh. I, well, honestly, it's talking about emotional eating. Yes. I mean, I can just do it for, you know, days on end. <laughs> so, and I, I basically do. Um, but yeah, I think because it's a misunderstood topic and it's so central to my own experience. And I really feel like because I've been doing this my whole adult life, I have an understanding of it that is unique and a way of explaining it. I think that really helps people who suffer with this problem, helps them really understand what's going on. So I just, you know, it's, it's the thing I'm, I'm here to do. It's the thing I believe that God wants me to do. And, and it, and it, and it's, I think evidenced by how lit up I get by it. So that's it. (laughs) I love it. And I I love it. Like how I can just hear it in your voice and like, just hear it, like, and how, how personal it was for you, because this is something that has impacted you, you know, as you guys can hear, like in the introduction, like losing 50 pounds, like having that experience and then identifying, you know, this connection with addictive behaviors and all of these things. Cause it's really so much deeper than just the food, just the eating. And I'm sure like you, we're going to get into all of this today, you guys. So, you know, I'd love to ask you, you know, talk to me a little bit about like, what was it like for you in rewiring those previous beliefs that you had surrounding food to be able to beat the addictive behaviors that you used to have? Yeah. So, I mean, just to give you a little background on me, I started, I think, using food to numb my feelings way back when, like as far back as I can remember, like three years old. So food was always a huge highlight for me. And I love to, you know, when I got older, I love to cook. I love to eat. Obviously, I love to serve food to other people, go out to restaurants. It was like just this big ding, 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 like highlight <laughs> for me. Like if, if I was going out to a restaurant at night, I was like all excited. And, and so it was just my go-to all the time. And it never occurred to me as an emotional eater. Um, you know, I just thought I liked food. Like, I just thought I liked food problem is I did gain weight really easily. And so 
um, I had this tummy on me, you know, and I would scrunch it up in my hands and imagine cutting it off. Like you cut fat, cut fat off the side of a steak, or I thought about getting some disease where I'd automatically lose weight without dieting or even consider joining the army. So I'd be forced to exercise at boot camp, And, and that's really just a, like how desperate I was because I had tried so many diets, you know, cause it's the thing you do. Like you don't like your weight, you, you know, you diet, you, you know, eat less exercise more. That's what people tell you to do. And it didn't work for me. Like I was a yo-yo dieter, so I could do it for a time, but I'd always bust out and start binging again. I was a binge eater. So I'd eat large quantities. I wouldn't mean to, but I'd start out by eating some ice cream and cookies or whatever. And then I just keep going back, keep going back until I felt totally stuffed and mad at myself. So I would, you know, lose weight, but I'd always go back to eating. So my weight would fluctuate a lot. So I had like five different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I'd be. And so it was just really demoralizing, you know, because I, I would always end up, you know, going back up the scale, being embarrassed about how I looked. And so after you try diets for a long time and you try other surface things, um, it, you know, by, by the grace of God, I started to clue in really early in my life, you know, and, um, and started to realize, hey, this is not a winning solution for me. This isn't working. And so I started going deeper and I started looking in like therapy and uh, I had an eating disorders therapist and I went to 12 step program. So I was on a search, you know, and I, I find that emotional eaters are seekers because they're hitting their head against the wall so much that you're just like, always like, what's the next solution. So, but thankfully I started going deeper and, and I, I finally met somebody who was a spiritual healer who had been obese, who showed me how to do that deeper work to address what was driving me. You know, I didn't get it in therapy because I think in therapy, I was more trying to figure it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having somebody who'd already bit, had the experience himself and could sort of guide me from that standpoint of, of what he literally did to heal um, changed everything for me. And then we started working together to help others heal. So I did that for decades. And then about five years ago, started Heal Your Hunger because thank God for the internet and Zoom and all these things, you can touch more people, you know, around the world. So I do all my programs online. And again, it's just my joy to talk about this this topic because so many people are doing what I did. Like they're, they're hitting their head against their wall. They're trying to, you know, treat the symptom without going deeper, um, you know, and they're not getting where they need to go. So it's just, it's really a pleasure to be able to talk to people from my direct experience. I love that so much. And just like hearing how you literally turned something that was so painful for you and so, so overwhelming and so hurtful for you, something like something like that and turning it into something that you can put together and help other people through. I love that so much. And, you know, just listening to you talk, like something came up for me that I would love to ask you about. Cause I know, you know, you know, you mentioned, uh, trying therapy and all these different things and all these different diets and, you know, nothing was a fit. And it just sounds like, yeah, like such a, you know, hard and frustrating process. So I would love to ask, you know, like, what was it like for you when you discovered what was at the root of the emotional eating? And like, what was that thing that you think was at the root of it? Yeah. So what my experience is that it's, that it's no, it's never one thing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of people are like, 
they see to me all the time. Like, I know why I eat. It's because, you know, my dad abused me. It's because my mom left home. It's because whatever, right. My brother sexually abused me, whatever, you know, and, and I had trauma. I had sexual abuse in my childhood. Um, but here's how it goes. Like you have trauma and most emotional eaters, people struggle with food and weight chronically do have trauma. Like, it's like everything wasn't like, you know, roses and rainbows at home, <laughs> you know, um, but not always, you know, not always. Um, we're, we're a culture that just eats to fix everything. That's kind of where we're going with that. That's why almost, almost one in two people are overweight or obese at this point statistically. But anyway, yes, trauma is, you know, uh, very rampant among people who struggle with food and weight. So the thing is, so, you know, conventional wisdom is, okay, go get that trauma dealt with, go to therapy, get the trauma dealt with, and you should be fine. Mm -hmm. Problem is when we're kids and stuff's happening, you know, we are reaching for whatever coping tools we have available, food being one of the few. Okay. You can't go score drugs. So you're going to go, you're going to eat, you know, you're going to eat, eat in front of the TV. You're going to eat popcorn ice cream in front of the TV. It's a handy, accessible coping tool. I'm glad I had it. Like, I'm glad I had it accessible to me because who knows what I would have done, you know, or if I would have survived. So, so food's available. And then we have, you know, and other things like masturbation, I started masturbating that was available to me, you know, I did that. And so um, anything to kill the pain and the emptiness. Problem is, we also have coping tools like um, like if you have abuse in your home, if you have alcoholism in your, your home or drug addiction, there's a lot of erratic behavior, there is abuse, there's rage, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so you develop coping tools like people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, okay. If you have a, a parent that's alcoholic and they're, you never know what state they're going to be in or they're rageful or whatever abusive, you better get good at making that person happy. You know, you better get good at cleaning up really fast, making sure everybody's in line, you know, if you're an older kid and so uh, or older sibling. And so anyway, we be, we, we learn how to people please uh, people, mm -hmm. you know, who deal with addiction um, in their childhood um, they're really, they're really hypervigilant. So they're always sort of scanning the room, like feeling who, you know, where, you know, who's out of line, you know, or how am I going to, um, fix whatever is, you know, a problem. We become really good at caretaking. You know, if there's a parent who's irresponsible, isn't paying the bills or isn't taking care of the kids, we step in and do that. There's lots of things we do to cope you know, or we escape and we isolate in books, you know, it, the list goes on and on mm -hmm. as kids, we do what we need to do to survive. And so it's not just the trauma, but it's the web of coping tools that we develop that do help us survive our childhood. But when we bring those into our adulthood, they backfire on us. For example, mm -hmm. the people pleasing, like I, I rarely ever met an emotional eater that's not a people pleaser, like it is endemic to the emotional eaters experience, mm -hmm. partly because we just didn't, you know, we didn't get a sense of ourselves growing up, you know, our parents didn't have it, we didn't get it. And so we're seeking it from outside ourselves constantly, like, let me get the Atta girls, you know, from other people so that mm -hmm. I can feel whole. So we it becomes an addictive habit to just try to please 
and get validation from outside ourselves. So there's wow. that. And then there's the habit, right? There's the habit of, you know, making sure everybody's in order so we don't get our asses kicked, you know, mm -hmm. there's yeah. that, right? So there's, it's like this web of ways of coping that did save our life that now backfires on a, as, a, as an adult. The reason why it causes problems to be a people pleaser when we're adults is that first of all, we're running circles around everybody else. We're exhausting our adrenals. You know, we're, we're, we're tired all the time because we're always overdoing, always trying to get those out of girls, you know, out of boys. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we're resentful as all get out because nobody's ever as pleased as we want them to be. We never get the validation we're seeking. And it's just a perfect prescription for screw them. Like they're not validating me. I'm going to, I'm going to reward myself. And we do that through eating or through drinking or smoking or, you know, whatever the thing is, um, you know, but for me, it was definitely eating. And for emotional eaters, it's typically eating. So I know that's a long answer to whatever your question was, but <laughs> no, that's, that is right? <laughs> so good. So, so good. Cause I'm sitting here and every, every single time I have these conversations, I always write things down, write things down because every time I speak to anybody, there's always something they say that is so different than the way I've heard it. And what you just said right there with the piece of bringing up the people, pleasing, bringing up the role of trauma. And especially what you just said of that resentful piece, because no one is as pleased as you want them to be is so powerful and so interesting and really just opens up so many doors to explain this. Because like you said, like so many people out there probably, you know, not don't necessarily understand like the psychological aspect behind this. Like how come these people eat so much? Like, why don't they just stop? Why don't they just go to therapy? Why don't they just, you know, yeah. do these, like, you know, moderate, moderate, yeah, exactly. less exercise more. Like exactly. we're like, like, we never heard that or thought right? of that ourselves. <laughs> and you, and you know this because you know, like you, you're an expert in this. You've literally lived this yourself. Yeah. You've gone through this, your own personal experience. And especially bringing up the role of trauma, I think is so powerful because like you said, like having that something like having that happen. And then also the people pleasing aspect that brings me to, you know, something that came up for me listening to you, you know, share all these like really, really interesting and, you know, powerful points is, you know, what, what has been the, if you have one best piece of advice, I'd love to get this. So like, what has been the one best piece of advice that you can offer someone listening today who would like to begin the process of healing past traumas tied to food? What would you say to that well, person? Well, yeah. And my point in sharing that whole kind of long list of things is, you know, your question had been about the trauma, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and the, you know, while trauma certainly plays a major part in eating, you can't just like go in there and dig that piece out because it spawns all these other ways of being. Mm -hmm. And so the ways of, you know, what I do with clients is I don't like go delve into trauma work. I, I start with how you're being today. Like mm -hmm. the people pleasing has to change. Like you don't, mm -hmm. you're not going to change your eating if you don't change your life. And it's really, I always say it's really a living problem, not an eating problem. Mm-hmm. Right? I love and, that. I love that. Yeah. Cause when we're people pleasing, when we're doing too much, you know, overeaters are overdoers. We're constantly doing too much. We're packing our schedule. We don't have no time for self-care. We're just in this whole like cycle of self-denial, you mm -hmm. know, and, and self-effacement and, and the, it just, it has to stop somewhere. We have to like start, start somewhere. And to me, that is just by slowing down, 
you know, and there's, again, there's so many deeper layers to this. Like we overdo not only because we want to please and get validation from outside of ourselves, but also because we're just afraid to sit still. Mm-hmm. Like we're afraid to be with our feelings. You know, my number one thing at all costs was do not like, do not feel mm-hmm. like as a kid, it was too painful. I didn't have the proper skills to do it, you know? And so I'm just going to check out. I'm going to eat my way through my childhood, through my adolescence, you know, and then I'm in adolescence, I started to drink. So I'm going to drink it away, you know, then I'm going to have sex and kind of cure it that way. It's like all these different addictive habits were all so that I didn't have to feel. Wow. That's, I love that, um, response and like that answer. Cause that makes so much sense when you, you know, when you really boil it down, because, you know, like you said, it's so complex that so you can't just, you know, di- dive right in. Like, let's do the work on the trauma. Like, what is it? You know, like, let's go to, because like you said, you know, that opens up so many doors that might have never ever have been open before. You can't just do that. So I like how you said you start with where, the, where the client is now currently yeah. with people pleasing with all these behaviors yeah. and then like bringing that to their awareness, because sometimes, you know, you know, like you said, when we're doing all these things, like no time for ourselves, no time for self-care, you know, going, 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 trying to do all these things. Like we don't always have that awareness of really what we're doing. Cause we're, you know, escaping, like you said, whether that be through sex, whether that be through drinking, whether that be through food, like we don't always see that. So I love how that's something that you do is like bringing awareness to that, but then also offering, you know, here's the solutions and things that can help with this rather than, you know, just like ending it at that. I think that's so helpful and so necessary. And like, that just brings me back to, you know, something else I'd like to ask you with the work that you do with the clients is, you know, what feelings come up for you when you work with your clients to overcome the emotional eating habits that they have in their lives? Um, what, what feelings I have personally? Yeah. yeah, So like when, when you're doing that work with them, um, and you're in that process of helping them, you know, like with emotional eating habits, like, is there any sort of feelings that like come up for you in the process of doing that? Like when you're working with them, like what kinds of things, you know, come to the, like the forefront for you? Yeah. Well, I don't find it hard. I, Mm -hmm. I find it really exciting because there's all these like ahas people have, like, I just share what I love about what I do is I, you know, I share from my personal experience Mm -hmm. and the thing about emotional eaters is our experiences are so common. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and the thing is, we all think we're the only ones who have done the shameful things we've done. Like I've eaten out of the garbage. Like I've binged and been like, oh my God, I can't possibly eat anymore. And I'm never eating that food again because it's so disgusting. Cause I just ate like almost the whole thing. So I'll throw it out. Like, this is what I used to do. I'd throw it out and then I'd pass out or go to sleep. And then later I'd be like, Ooh, there's cookie. I threw some cookies out. They're still there, (laughs) you know, and I'd go get them. And then I'd be like, Oh my God, I just eat out of the garbage. That is so disgusting. Turns out it's a very common thing that emotional eaters do. Cause we all get in that place of total disgust and self-hatred. We're just like, in this rash of disgust, we throw everything out and then, you know, God forbid we leave a cookie in the trash. So, so, you know, I actually did a YouTube video one time reenacting this, I call it garbage eating. I got like 60,000 hits because it's such a common thing, Mm -hmm. but we're all sitting there thinking we're the only ones. So we're feeling all this shame, all this self-hatred, which just perpetuates the eating and the beating Mm -hmm. ourselves up with food, you know? So the point is, 
there's so many things that are common about us, like the people pleasing. So when I just describe my own experience, and I've done, you know, a lot of work on myself, I've kind of dug and pulled all this stuff apart, you know, and I put it all, I put it all in my book, you know, and so, so basically, when I describe this stuff, it, 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 makes people realize they're not alone, which just immediately removes that sense of isolation. I do all my, my stuff in, um, mostly in groups. I do a little bit of uh, one-on-one coaching, but mostly in groups because there's so much healing, just realizing we're not alone Mm -hmm. and community is such an important part of healing, you know, because we kind of just love on each other and the love heals us, you know? And so, Um, it's just really important to know that we're like, like, I love sharing from my experience and watching the heads nod and watching the light bulbs go off again. That's why I get so jazzed by this. So I don't, I, it's like, it's not like I have like flashbacks or things like that. Cause I've done so much work and I just, you know, I'm kind of an open book that mm-hmm. like, I just share about anything from my experience. Cause I know I can use that to be of help to somebody else, because this is not head knowledge. That's going to heal us. It's really the personal, the more personal and personable I am, you know, like in my podcast, I'm talking all about my own experience my experience with, you know, my relationships, my experience with my family, everything the more personal and transparent I am, the more it lands in someone's heart. And it's in our heart that we heal. We don't heal by reading books and studying and kind of trying to, you know, get all the science around this. If that's sexy and our ego likes that, because we think we're going to figure it out, you know, we're like going (laughs) to, you know, read about it, study it, figure it out, get degrees in it. But my experience that the problem, you know, we're not stupid, we're very intelligent. And so the problem isn't in our mind. You know, you can read anything you want about it, but it's really, we have to have our hearts touched Mm -hmm. like the heal. We have to have our hearts opened. And as emotional eaters, we've shut down our hearts. You know, we got hurt as kids and we're like, screw that. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to like keep my guard up at all costs because I don't, I can't afford to get hurt. Right. So we have this, we have like this wall around our heart, um, which feels like protection, but it, it it ends up being like a wall, like a prison wall and Mm -hmm. it keeps us trapped in. So my experience is the more, you know, I can come from my heart and share from my experience, the more it makes it safe for other people to share about their experiences and to realize they're safe. And when we feel safe, then we can let the pain out. That's so so beautiful. And I love that example that you just gave of the wall, right? So like we think by doing that, we're protecting ourselves. But like you said, it's like, you're boxing yourself into this prison. And I love, love that because, you know, this is something that is so relatable because I know even for myself, like I would do a lot of these things myself, you know, when I was younger, going through different things, I would go to food or sex or drinking, or literally like hearing you reiterate that I was like, that's a lot of the stuff that I did as well. And then, and then discovering down the road, you know, why do I find so much comfort in this food? Like, why do I feel like I can't like separate it? I I need to eat this. I need, it's, it's almost like a, like, you feel like you can't you'll die without it. It's like, what is going on with that? And I love that that's what you do. And that's what you've literally dedicated your life to doing for others, because 
that is such a gift that is not only transformational for the, the lives of the clients that you work with, but your life. And literally you're a living, breathing Testament that it's possible that you can go through, you know, regardless of not, I love how you also touch on that point as well of, you don't have to have trauma. Like not everyone has to have these, you know, experiences to result in this. And I love how you also bring that up as well, because you know, sometimes I feel like people might think, oh my gosh, like, you're like, I, I didn't go through this myself. So like, you know, but I have emotional eating, but I don't have these traumas. Like what, like trying to figure out what is it, what is it? And I love that you touch on that because that's so powerful. And just, you know, brings me to this question that I would love to ask you. And I always ask everybody this question because I always get such a, such a different answer and it's so amazing. And I can't wait to see what you're going to say. So Trisha, I would love to ask you, what are you currently doing right now in this moment to master your mental? Um, it's really what I do every day. It's what I do. And it's what I teach other people to do. It's part of my step-by-step process. I mean, I, I start my day in prayer. Mm-hmm. I meditate twice a day, um, kind of a t- transcendental meditation. So 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, I've already had my meditation for my afternoon meditation. Um, so that's a, those are non-negotiables for me. I read mm-hmm. spiritual literature um, that feeds my soul and gets my head right. Um, I, I have community with people every single day that are on a healing path because, um, I can't do it on my own and I'm not cured, you know? Mm -hmm. So these are things I do daily. Um, and I try to share every, I mean, I do because my business is all about helping most leaders. I end up sharing every day from my personal experience. So these are all things that a hundred percent affect my mental health. And my experience is it's, it's really about that. I mean, yeah, I'm addicted to sugar and I have to, you know, kind of watch the foods that I eat, you know, so I, that, that physical addiction doesn't hook in, but beyond that, it's emotional. Like it is emotional. And I absolutely have to be on my game in terms of my emotional health. If my feelings get hurt or something offends me or whatever, I have to, I, my short term, my, my shorthand for healing is write about it, talk about it, pray about it, Mm, you know, and writing is really powerful for getting toxic emotions out and without spewing them on other people. So I'll write, you know, if I'm jammed up or pissed off, you know, which happens, (laughs) you know, my feelings get hurt or something's not fair or whatever. I take it to the paper and I write it out and I'll use a lot of swear words, you know, and just kind of get the, I want to get the heat out of it, you know, and then I'm in such a habit of doing this and then looking at the fear, like, okay, what am I afraid of? You know, what am I afraid of? What's triggering me? And my experience is when it, when I'm hysterical, you know, which that's just a word, but when I'm hysterical, it's historical. And so wow. I try to look back, you know, where's, where, like, where have I felt this way before? Or, or what is this tied to, you know, like where, why is this getting me so triggered? What's what, you know, where's the heat coming from? So I got to take a look at it because I'm really not a victim, you know, and so, and I don't want to live as a victim. So I got to look at what's, what's going on with me, 
you know, so that I can do something about myself because I'm the only one I can do anything about. So, so that's kind of, that's sort of my process. And those are the things I do to sort of stay clean and stay, you know, emotionally balanced. I'm mastery. Yeah. That's a big word, <laughs> but I'm definitely, I am. I literally just texted my sister this morning. We were talking about shame, you know, and shame from our family and mm-hmm. kind of learned shame. And I said, you know, it's crazy, but I, I, I used to feel a lot of shame. And of course, when you have sexual abuse, you feel shame about your body and all that. And I, I just said, I just, I have over the past several years, I've become free from shame. Like I just don't feel it now. Mm -hmm. I don't have this terrible fear. If I make a mistake, it's not like, Oh, I'm so bad. And so bad. I'm like, no, made a mistake, you know, sorry, you know, and I'll apologize. I'm not flippant, (laughs) but I just mean, you know, I literally hung up a zoom. I was hosting a zoom call and I, I meant to just leave. I had given somebody else host. And so I, but I was still co-host and I meant to just leave, but I was a little quick on the trigger and I, I killed the meeting for everybody. And, (laughs) you know, but in the past it would have been like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And it like would have been with me for a while. I'm like, oh shoot. So I just texted some people, apologized. And then just, I just, it, it didn't stick to me. Do you know what I mean? It just didn't stick to me. And, and that's, that shame is gone now. And it's, I I'm so grateful. That is amazing. Like just hearing, like you talk about this and like hearing in your voice, like the transformation and like how you used to react to these things and just hearing like what you do to prioritize your mental health and care for yourself. So that way you can deliver, you know, the highest value to your clients. I think that is so true and so powerful. And especially when you bring up as well, like you know, like shifting the victim mindset and the blame mindset and, you know, all of these things and like all of the work you've done, like, and just the transformation, not just in yourself, but the transformation you're giving to others is like everything. And honestly, like Trisha, I feel like I could just talk to you for like hours. Like, I feel like I could just (laughs) talk to you for hours and hours and hours about this stuff because it's so powerful and your story is amazing and so valuable. And I just honestly want to thank you so much for, you know, taking the time out of your day to come on here and share your story, share your tips, share your experiences, be so vulnerable with us and offer these solutions and bring this to the table because it is so powerful and so valuable. So thank you. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed every bit of this and I cannot wait to release this out into the world. You are amazing. So thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh. I I loved it. Loved it. Oh, Paris. Thanks for having me. It's been really a a pleasure and and bless you for all the beautiful work you do and sharing your story with the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that means a lot. And I appreciate that. And you know, that coming from you. So, you know, you guys, I just want to put it end this on this note and say, whether you are listening during the daytime or during the nighttime, I hope that you guys have an amazing rest of your day or night. And I want to say bye to you guys. And I want to say bye to Trisha. So bye, Trisha. Bye. Thank you. All right, guys. That was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com or you can DM me on Instagram at masteryourmental where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.